Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. All right, everybody, we are live, and we're live for another live recording of the Managing Partners Podcast. We're coming to you live on LinkedIn and YouTube today, and this will be available soon on our podcast, on multiple platforms, and on our website at ArrayLaw.com. Today, special guest from out of D.C., Dan Meyer. Welcome to the show. Can't wait to hear your story. Kevin, nice to be with you. Yeah, so uh, you're located in D.C., not too far away. I'm actually on the Eastern Shore this week, and you're right there in the, the heart of D.C., it sounds like. Yes, Kevin, we're at 20th and L in the Golden Triangle District of Washington, just uh, off Connecticut Avenue and uh, K Street. Excellent. So let's jump right into it. Tell us a little bit about your your background, Dan, how you got started in your profession, and you know, a little bit about the firm and the, the specialties, the practice areas that you focus on. Well, I'm, I'm sort of a unicorn in this field. I uh, came out of law school, went into communications law, hopped over to whistleblower protection, and then went in-house at the Pentagon and in the intelligence community for a number of years. And when I parted ways uh, with uh, Dan Coates a few years ago, Matt Tully and Greg Rinke asked me to come in and uh, help represent our intelligence community uh, cadre and contractors and our service members on security clearance law. So I came I came to the private practice of law sort of late in my career. The firm itself has been in business for 18 years. We have 65 plus attorneys in 11 offices around the globe. Uh, we're in London, England. Uh, we're in New York. Uh, we're in Washington, D.C. We're down in Texas. Uh, we have a great uh, strong presence in New York State. Uh, the military law practice group is... Uh, headquartered out of Buffalo, New York, Tony Kuhn, the managing partner. And I work in his practice group and represent uh, employees on both federal employment law matters uh, in the non-intelligence field. And then for our intelligence community and service members, we do a full array of uh, military uh, and national security services on security clearances and, and courts marshals and those sorts of activities. Very impressive. So 11 offices and used around the world. So and uh, the bat, you know, your background's uh, very interesting. Uh, it sounds very intriguing. I could feel like I could sit down and probably just hear you tell me a bunch of stories every every day. So <laughs> most of them were classified, Kevin. I probably couldn't tell them uh, to you. The, the you might not be able to tell me. <laughs> yeah, being on the global side of things, it's, it's very important, and it's not intuitive uh, when you think about national security law. But uh, we're doing the work of companies and corporations and preserving their assets because a security clearance held by an employee, by a defense contractor, is an asset. So often we'll get calls from uh, the general counsel uh, in-house at a corporation to do corporate work as well. So the international footprint helps us with uh, the needs of our corporate clients. And our corporate clients often have uh, complementary goals of our individual clients as well. Excellent. So uh, what are some of kind of the, the challenges, uh, you know, a client is faced with when they're you know coming to you, whether the existing client or if it's you know, someone that has not used your firm or a firm like yours at all, they're coming to you with an issue. Uh, what's some of the challenges that they, they typically face? So the fear of the unknown is the big part of it. Um, if you're an individual employee in a federal agency and you hold a clearance, your security training has been inadequate for most of your career. You'll go through some PowerPoint slides. You'll click through them. You really don't pay attention. I took the same training. I did pay attention, but most of my coworkers <laughs> did not. So when you get a notice that you're going to lose your clearance, you really have no idea of the process. And the security mm -hmm. officers really can't tell employees that much. So it's the fear of the unknown. And the other thing is that people will try to be trusting and they will put their trust in people who don't have their best 
interest in mind. So the nice thing about coming to a law firm is that you've got somebody on your side as a part of the process, and then we can help them navigate through uh, the various wickets they have to achieve to keep their clearance or keep their job if they're focusing on a proposed suspension. So it's the fear of the unknown, and that's what uh, we help them come in and tackle. Okay. On on the flip side, uh, what are some of common mistakes maybe that they have made that either make your job uh, harder or impossible? <laughs> you know, what's some common mistakes they've made along the way? Well, when you have to do a repair job on a for a client, I mean, the client got started, didn't talk to counsel soon enough, uh, and then they ended up in a big mess that takes far more resources to sort out. So the, the mistake of not addressing the issue up front uh, is, is is really critical. I'll give you a scenario about that. I've had clients come to me with security clearances uh, and they, they have engaged in drug use, which is a big no-no, right? When you go for a security clearance, you sign a form that you will not break the law, you will not partake in, in, in illicit substances. So if, if you're in that situation, why wait until you pop positive on a urine test? Why not just go to your security office and just disclose uh, that you made a mistake and you took drugs by accident. You were uh, at a wedding and somebody put something in a cake or you were had a brownie and you didn't know that it had THC in it. There's all sorts of scenarios that come about. But when you panic and you do nothing, because most people will not fight, they will flight, they will avoid the issue. Hmm. You end up sitting on it and then you sit on it for six months. Uh, somebody mentions drug use that you mentioned to somebody, security finds out. Then you end up with a proceeding that's about your integrity ra- rather than about the stupidity you engaged in and taking drugs when you said you wouldn't. So not addressing the problem soon enough is a big issue. The second one I referred to earlier is trusting people who don't have your best interest in uh, in mind is a big, big problem that both contractors and cadre and service members run into. You know, bureaucracies are self-interested. They will do what they need to do for themselves. Uh, and they're not particularly interested in you as an individual. Uh, you actually have far fewer rights than most people think they have. What you have have this process and you need people to come in and help you organize that process from the outside. Oh, very interesting. So, so basically back to the, the one mistake about just not coming forward, just being transparent and, and get ahead of it before, you know, again, it becomes an integrity issue, which I would assume is a big issue with uh, holding a security clearance. <laughs> yeah, guideline E is the personal conduct guideline that's administered by the Director of National Intelligence. If you get hit with a single guideline E uh, trigger in your record, uh, they basically are saying that you're a liar and you've got to get that stink off you or, or your uh, future presence on a federal contract or your future presence in a federal agency is highly questionable. Hmm, that makes sense. Okay, well, next question. Actually, anyone anyone tuning in, you got any questions for Dan, please ask. Um, I'm sure most people could have a lot of questions for Dan on this topic. I know I can come up with a ton. Dan, so how do you go about getting new clients, uh, getting in front of clients that, you know, bring in new business, I guess, is the best way to put it. So when I started out in the practice of law, very briefly before I went into the uh, federal sector, uh, it was 1997. And young associates were encouraged to look for business, but the raw truth in most agencies is that four or five people had the access to the associations uh, that had access to the paying clients. And that's how you got your business. You waited your turn uh, until you had been tapped to be a partner. And then the then the rain came forth from people who handed it down to you. It was a very it was a guild. It was a very aristocratic system. The internet blew that whole scenario up. Uh, now what you have to do as a Washington attorney, and this is probably true in other markets as well, is you have to be where your potential clients are right now. 
And increasingly, that might be at a trade association or it might be at some physical forum. But more often than not in Washington, which can be a town of strangers, physical strangers, uh, it's on the Internet. And it's circulating uh, through the Internet, uh, both in video and in emails and in chats and in tweets. So you have to be where the client's going to be. We use um, um, uh, advertising via the Internet. We use the Google system. Uh, We have uh, media campaigns, our marketing department helps us organize. So we go out and we we speak on topics that are of interest to our clients, not just general topics, but that are interesting to our clients. And then there also, there's the old fashioned tools in the new cyber sense. Uh, Networking is very important. Uh, You have to be known in the community. Knowing attorneys who don't do my area of law, but have clients who need our services is very important because there's nothing, an, an attorney wants to solve the client's problem. And if an attorney can't solve it, Having a friend who can uh, is a great is a great thing as well. So those are the traditional sort of tools in the new sense, and then there are the important tools of the internet presence, and that's where you slowly uh, build a reputation for being able to do good work. And the bottom line is as true now as it was 200 years ago: is that if you do good work as an attorney, if you solve problems for people, and word gets out, people will beat a path to your door. 100. So uh, yeah, and yeah, kind of the ends like the referrals you know from other attorneys having those relationships was a huge part. But no, it sounds like you guys are really, the firm is invested in exploring multiple ways to get in front of people, marketing, advertising, Google, which is, which is great. You know, I, I talked to a lot of uh, other firms that, you know, practice areas and similar areas as you guys. And a lot of the business law or intellectual property or patent, uh, they tend to not do those things. They're, they're usually referral only uh, built businesses, which is understandable. Uh, but I think it's, uh, it's great to see that, that what you guys are doing and that you're you're gonna you're gonna go where the clients go in and, and not just stick to old traditional ways only. I think those are still great ways, and you have to do good work. You have to have integrity. You have to do good work. Uh, provide a good service, and uh, yeah, that, that's definitely gonna come back to you, and you'll get referrals and uh, and from other business owners, from other lawyers, things like that. Yeah, great. That's excellent. So I would assume you guys uh, probably spent some efforts on like SEO. I've seen your website, which looks great. Your social media presence looks looks good and strong. So so it, it appears that you guys are uh, putting the efforts into all those areas. Oh, definitely. The, the way I think of it, and actually it was no different in the public sector for me. When I was at the Department of Defense Office of the Inspector General and when I worked for Chuck McCullough, as a, who was the Intelligence Community Inspector General, you know, part of my job was to go out and get people to complain about their bosses. I, I ran whistleblowing programs. I mean, I, I would put on a set of headphones every day. I would sit there and turn on M- MSNBC and click off the volume on the TV. And I would start and I would just work with employees, help them understand the protections. And the end goal was to get them to basically drop the dime on their boss, doing time and attendance fraud or taking the government vehicle, the Hooters for lunch. I mean, there's this crazy sort of stuff. You take that basic ethos that you want a continuous media presence. And the media could be for a private company out on the internet, inside the government, the media presence is inside the agency. So outreach to agencies was important. You want your name and your brand, and it's appropriate to use brand in that context, out there so that when people have that knowing that something's going 
going wrong, whether it's in their own employment context or remember that every uh, federal employee, every cadre, uh, every contractor is a potential source about corruption in the government and they need to be protected too. When they have that gnawing doubt that something's really about to go wrong, you want them to get protection, come to a lawyer and get advice. And But they're not going to come to you unless you have that consistent presence where they are out there in the broader community. And if you stick with that principle, and I was even trained to do this at the Pentagon, they sent me through specialized training so that I could actually help use the media to get sources for where people were doing nefarious things inside the Defense Department. And the same applies in private law practice. Wow. You want to be able to develop that presence so people know, oh, there's the person to go see. I, I want to go see, I want to talk to Dan, even if it's only for a consult, so I got a sense of what I'm going through, whether that's a good thing, a bad thing, whether I need to panic, whether I don't need to panic. You don't want the poor person to end up with tire treads on their forehead, which is the way we used to speak about it in the intelligence community, is out of nowhere, they didn't think anything was wrong, their boss gets indicted and walked out, and all of a sudden, all the actions are pointing <laughs> to things they did for their boss. You need a lawyer well wow. at that point. Interesting. Okay. So uh, I guess, what is really the, as far as your area of practice, but the, the firm itself, what are some of the, the future plans uh, for growth? Any kind of you know, big things you see affecting, I guess, the market or uh, they can directly affect, you know, it may be laws, it could be different policies. Do you see anything coming down the pike, I guess, that, that could negatively or positively affect, you know, the, the caseload you guys have? So in my field, with federal employment law and national security law, and a national security law uh, looking to help people with security clearances and corporations who rely on security clearances to get their work done. So in that area, and I do some other types of law, but in that area, we're in a fundamentally different environment right now. We've just come through a year in which there's been multiple reassessments of what are the national security needs of the country. We're also in a time period where the professionals in our field, some leading lawyers in the country, are now facing potential criminal indictments or investigations for their behavior, probably behavior they thought was perfectly acceptable over the last few years. So the client need is going to change. What's not going to change is the path to our door. So we need to do all those media events, do our networking so people know where to go to. When they come to us, this is where it's going to get really exciting, is things are changing. Okay, There are threats to the country that we did not understand existed five years ago. So employees are going to need to be careful. You go on a website for some domestic organization. You thought it was a Second Amendment club, and it turns out to have other things it was doing, maybe even on January 6th. Uh, you may end up needing legal services in a way you never would have thought of when uh, the associations you wanted to be careful about were in Russia or Cuba or the Ukraine. It's easy to avoid those kinds of situations, but your next door neighbor now wow. could be an enemy of the state. Your next door neighbor could be somebody who's a potential threat to the republic. And all of a sudden you have to figure out how to navigate your employment with one of the 17 intelligence community elements or with the Defense Department. When the Defense Department is uh, now looking at our fellow Americans as a potential threat. Yeah, I mean, a lot has changed. And I think with you know, COVID and then the yeah the January 6th, uh, all, all the things that the last year has been a, a ton of change. I sure that's affecting you guys. What, what do you see from it's, it's, you know, related to like, is there anything that would be related to you at all with cryptocurrency or those kinds of things in the market? So the broader international context, increasingly, we don't know. If you're a federal employee or if you're an analyst at the CIA and you go home and you're off on your own time and you're off buzzing around on the internet, you don't know that what you're seeing 
is what you're seeing. So you could be on a website and think it's a local website in Catonsville, Maryland. And in fact, you're on a website that's being monitored by the Chinese intelligence service. And so they're going to be out there looking at things. People are going to be looking at your keystrokes. People will be looking at where you're going and what you're visiting. Wow. And they're going to try to profile you. So you need to have really good information about what's helpful and what's not helpful for your career. Those are the sorts of things that are getting far more complicated. Dating sites, Kevin. I would never have thought of oh, this wow. 10 years ago, but there we have gentlemen in the defense department who might go on a dating site and, and see some really exciting uh, prospect uh, in Belarus or Moldavia. It happens and you go on a few vacations and you find out from security 18 months later that the FSB was running the website to try to catch you, compromise you on film, and then try to leverage you to get secrets out of the United States. So those are the things oh, wow. that either become more and more problematic for employees because we in the United States are not very secure in our world's presence right now. It's changed. This is not 1983. You know, the bomb was actually a good thing. People forget this, is that when we had mutual assured destruction, everybody in our society knew their place, right? We all were going to go up if the big one went up. Now there's so much complexity. There's so much uh, interrelationship between domestic and international organizations uh, that Americans increasingly don't really understand uh, what's the right thing to do and what's the wrong thing to do. And we have to keep our clients federal employees and federal contractors out of the weeds, out of the danger zone. And that's where we have to study up and we have to be flexible and learn new things because our law is going to change day by day, month by month, very quickly. Yeah, it sounds like a lot to keep up with. It's like me trying to keep up with Google on what they're doing. It's exactly. you know, it's, a constant, it's a constant battle. Well, it seems like you got your workout out for you, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, world's returning a little bit to normal. How's it there in, in D.C.? Is Are things opening up? Just well, on a lighter we're, note. Well, we're back We're back here in the office for a year. Uh, Matt and Greg and Mike up in Albany uh, gave the word to deploy our attorneys to home. We got everybody set up. Everybody had technology. It took about a month and a half, but we ran the firm seamlessly for a year uh, with only our two staff uh, down here in uh, uh, our D.C. office. They did a wonderful job of making sure that all the paper copy got scanned and got out to us. They were absolutely essential. But, you know, I just got fed up of being at home. And so when the mayor <laughs> lifted the cap, I said, I'm going back to downtown. But the challenge, Kevin, is that you walk in downtown now and there's very little that's open. It's a ghost town. So yeah. I'm here, but I'm here for marketing purposes, I guess. Uh, <laughs> my hearings are all still kind of virtual or, or over in Northern Virginia. Uh, but we need to get D.C. moving again. Okay, this, you know, COVID's over. We need to be proactive. We need to have proper abatements. But the way you kick back at a virus is the same way you kick back at a terrorist. You don't cave to their demands. You run your life as you would run it. And that means we all got to get back to downtown D.C. and open up the restaurants for Mr. Meyer. There you go. <laughs> Dan's hungry, people. He needs some good food. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dan, thanks so much for coming on and sharing a lot of great effort, information about your firm and what you guys do. It's very intriguing. Uh, what is the best way that people can reach out to you? Now, I have your website here at the bottom. I'll put that in the comments. People can click on it. But what's the best way to reach out to you directly? So go to the, the Tully Rinky website, the big webs, website. Just go under fraternity, uh, under attorney uh, bios and pick up my name, Dan Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R, and my point of contact's right there. Uh, send me an email. I, I will look at emails. I take emails from people all day. I'm, I don't hide behind my 
my legal support specialist, and she's very thankful for that. But yeah, just go to the website, <laughs> find me, and, uh, and send me a note. I'd be glad to hear from people. All right. Well, again, thanks for sharing your story. Anything else you'd like to share before we, we sign off? No, you have a good time out there on the Eastern Shore. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, we're uh, here for a couple more days. My anniversary. So oh, me and my wife will. I'm about to get off here soon. I'm going to get in trouble. So we're going to celebrate years? for a little bit. How many years? 11. 11 years. Good for you. You're out of the terrible seven. You'll make it for life, my friend. <laughs> yeah, we got past 10. We're good. So uh, anyone, anyone tuning in? Again, if you need marketing services in law, that's what we specialize in. Look us up at ArrayLaw.com. And please connect with Dan. Check him out at the website below. And we'll see you on the next episode. Do good work, everybody. Yeah, and open DC back up. <laughs> that's right.